Shaking. Do you just not do it anymore? <laughs> do what? <laughs> mm, yellow pudding. Oh, pudding. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I forgot. Whoa, what are you drinking there? Jesus. Yeah, Claire just made a a, a green juice for us. Wow, that looks that looks uh, pulpy. Yeah, it's um, spinach and celery forward for sure. It's very, very good. What's the non? What's what else is in there? Um, I couldn't tell you. I wasn't there during the uh, the breakdown of what was included. I think I'm detecting notes of banana, maybe You're maybe a hint of lemon sleep. juice. I'm yeah, hoping. Okay. I'm hoping. I don't actually detect that. That's more of an ambitious. Uh, you know, desire, I guess. Right. Else. Um, maybe pineapple? Mmm, pineapple. Nope, not pineapple. I'm getting some looks here. I think we should move on to the next topic, which mm-hmm. is uh, welcoming people back. So. <laughs> oh, do you want me to do that? <laughs> yeah, at your leisure. Okay. Um, I got some other stuff I want to say first. <laughs> sure, no, uh, sure, sure. Welcome back to another episode of Maybe Next Time. I am your host, William Blue, with my co-host, Simon McCormack. Nets Nation! Kyrie Irving is possibly the worst messenger for this stuff, right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good one. Uh, (laughs) We are back as we are each and every unrelenting week to talk all things... Nets Nation. And speaking of unrelenting, Simon, I just read maybe the longest interview I've ever read in my life with Jon Stewart. Oh, is it really that long? The New York Times one? Yeah, it was It was pretty long. Was it Uh-oh, not? I'm worried because, well, so my, my mom sent it to me and I had been meaning to read it, um, but I, and I started reading it and I thought, oh, this isn't as long, but um, that worries me that. I mean, it maybe long. Yeah, uh, it took me maybe twenty minutes to read it or so. Oh God! And you're such a fast reader. Okay, well I'll try to read some of it. Uh, anyway, yeah, it goes on and on and on. He doesn't hammer Biden quite like I hoped he would, but what? Why would you expect him to? Sorry, sorry, I don't. Wanna... I, well, I mean, I just, I just kind of anticipated that being out of the limelight would have made him a little bit. Mm more able to, uh, you know, exhibit a further left position than maybe he was in the mainstream, but. Right. Uh, no, I think he's, I think he's a tried and true lib. Mm-hmm. Um, he, um, a new movie of his is coming out. Oh yeah, I saw that. And I, I, I will say, I thought that the first before that, but just very quickly, I thought that the first, the only part that I've read is the is the very first part on, you know, the protests and stuff. And I was, I was, um, relatively pleased with what he said around that. I agree. Um, I I agree. Um, I thought that that's why I was sort of surprised when the Biden stuff came up because he, it did Mm -hmm. seem like he was taking a more, you know, systemic 
uh, mm-hmm. view of what's happened. And I don't think that you then say, and the solution to that is rolling over for <laughs> Joe Biden. <laughs> the, the police's longtime friend for half a century, <laughs> Joey B. Right. The face of tough on crime in the Democratic Party, <laughs> Joe Biden. Yeah. Um, so... We are back as we are each and every week to talk all things Nets Nation. Uh, we won't let a little, you know, 10,000-word John uh, Stewart interview derail us. Right. From our ambitions here. I'm getting into the weeds, Simon, because this week we have a lot of Kyrie to discuss. We're going to talk a little KD. Uh, I talk another extremely lengthy profile, this time not of Jon Stewart, famed comedian <laughs> of old, but of Net Spencer Dinwiddie. Did, yes. you, did, you, did you end up reading that, by the way? I did. I did. I wish I could get that, <laughs> that time back, but I did. There were a couple pullouts from that that I, I do want to discuss with you. Yeah, great, great. Um, and then I think, Simon, you know, we need we need something, a little carrot to dangle out for ourselves. Uh, so I think as a reward for, for getting into the weeds here of Nets Nation, I think we should reward ourselves with a little trip to the Grand Floridian. Yes, absolutely. Uh, all right. So let's start off with Kyrie questions, Simon. Okay. That sounds good. It's the topic, probably the most, the hottest topic in Nets Nation right now, Kyrie Irving, his role in as a quote-unquote disruptor, um, his role in spearing, spearheading the resistance to resuming the NBA season. Um, where do you where do you want to start with this whole thing? Because there's just so very much to get into. We talked about it last week, but <laughs> uh, believe it or not, there's more. There's a lot more. Um, so I don't know. Um, I, I, I get. I, I want to leave it to you. Sorry to punt, but I, I feel like you probably have it laid out more so at your fingertips than, than I do. But I'm, okay, I'm happy to a pick few, a place. Yeah, if sure. You want. There's a few, a few different angles to get into this thing. Yeah. So one is the Kendrick Perkins angle. Yes. Uh, and Amin Eliasson. El- I don't actually know how to pronounce his last name. I think it's Eliasson. Uh, and, and another thing I'd like to look at is um, someone that is often mentioned in the same breath as him right now, which is Avery Bradley. Yes. Um, but I think maybe we start with Kendrick Perkins. Okay. So Kendrick Perkins is now... Pissing off quite a few nets, Simon. Yes. Um, he could you summarize what Kendrick Perkins said on Twitter about Kyrie Irving and his stance, uh, his recently adopted stance that the NBA should basically cease to exist as a as an organization. <laughs> well, so okay, um, so along okay, so you mean his his call for players to start their own league? I mean, yeah, just the, the Kyrie Irving situation, not necessarily that in particular. But what okay. did Kendrick Perkins do? So first, yeah, so Kendrick Perkins, so not only on Twitter, William, but on any and every TV show he can get his mug on, 
in, including uh, First Take. Um, he has been uh, bashing Kyrie Irving, um, questioning his his motives, saying that um, he's a cupcake, saying that he could be far he could be being far he could say like far worse things about Kyrie without really like delving into what those worst things are kind of alluding to in a, I guess, deleted tweet, some sort of like philandering or something anyway. But regardless, his, his sort oh, of take I thought it, his, I thought his deleted tweet was more that it could easily be read as misogynistic. So he took it down. Oh yeah. I think I he know. called him like a hoe or a bitch or something I like see. that. And so he took it down. Yeah. I see. So saying basically, Kyrie doesn't have a plan for uh, for what happens if um, if players decide to boycott. He also noted, um, I think, t- totally fairly that um, that Kyrie voted um, in favor of going forward with this days after George Floyd was killed, days after protests had started. Um, and sort of suggests um, that perhaps it was Kyrie being told that he actually couldn't come to the bubble mm-hmm. that may have um, made him upset and and start this whole um, attempted revolt. Um, I'm trying to think if there there are other things. Um, is is that about? Oh, and and, and also saying that he's dividing the, the players. That um, you know that the players need a united front on this, um, and and that and that Kyrie's efforts are 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 dividing them. No, I think that covers a lot of it. I think the timeline is the thing that they're really hammering on a lot. Did you get to listen to the um, Amin part of? Yes. So I thought that that was really interesting. Not only in in the timeline aspect of sort of like Kyrie has a very prominent role in the players union is the players rep. I believe for the Nets. He is yeah. was part of the 28 and to zero unanimous decision to restart it. And then all of a sudden has his, you know, come to Jesus moment where he needs to um, speak out against it again, something that in, and as we discussed in the last episode, is a necessary conversation. We're more discussing what is Kyrie Irving's role in it and how does he play? Uh, how does he how does he further the cause of of um, some of the questions being raised by some of the players? Uh, so a further part of that that Amin brought up was <clears throat> the idea of Kyrie's eroded credibility. Mm-hmm. And that's what I found really interesting because he basically said Kyrie, either himself or someone in his PR inner circle bubble, has to be aware of his um, what I mean calls eroded credibility, his his reputation right now as as someone who goes into organizations, fucks things up, blames it on everyone else, and then leaves the trail of destruction behind him. And if he is aware of this eroded credibility, he has to also then be aware that if he wants to be a part of a movement, he might not want to be, you know, become the face of that movement because his lack of credibility could do something to harm the movement. So if he really cared about it, he might not try to, you know, usurp it and become the face of that thing. Yeah. And so his, his now 
making this conversation that is, as we've said, a totally justified one about whether players should or should not come back now turn into a conversation about Kyrie Irving. That is doing detrimental harm to the actual conversation because he has taken on himself. And if he actually cared about the movement, he wouldn't have centered himself as he has in the conversation. Yeah, and then also in that um, in that same podcast, they mention he he says um, he he says that Kyrie mentioned LeBron James's name quite a bit. Uh, and so he he seems to be suggesting that Kyrie is more interested in being uh, the anti-LeBron um, than necessarily advancing um, a movement uh, for, you know, an, an anti-racism, anti-police movement. Right. And um, they also, final thing from that interview, he brings up Maya Moore, which has been brought up a lot, who mm-hmm. is uh, the WNBA MVP, who has actually done what Kyrie Irving says he's quote-unquote willing to do, which is to give up everything. She has quit uh, playing professional basketball and to devote herself full-time to making substantive changes in the lives of black people uh, in America. And she, as is pointed out in this interview, does not have $200 million in the bank account, in her bank account to fall back on. Mm-hmm. She does not have the certainty that she will essentially never have to work a day in her life and generations after her won't have to work a day in their lives right. as Kyrie Irving does. So while he talks a huge game, it does seem to be um, just a, another instance of, of how one could pretty easily question his motivation for doing any of this stuff. Oh, yeah. And I, you know, I don't want to give us too much credit here, William, but right from the get go, you and I both were very skeptical of having him be the face of this Uh, because, yeah, I I just don't I mean, I'm I'm totally willing to believe that whether or not it's true that he's doing this in part because he wants to be the anti LeBron, whether like any sort of negative um, motives you assign to Kyrie, it's hard it's it's like they they pretty much become plausible even even if it's just like completely unnamed sources it's just sort of speculation it's you can kind of see it now i i will say though william just um the counterpoint is that i i believe while kyrie is a is a not a good messenger for this um i do think that regardless of who the messenger was they would they and they are um, get pushback, right? Especially from the ESPNs of the world and the moneyed interests of, of the world who, like, will go after anyone who is, quote-unquote, disrupting. Mm-hmm. Um, Kyrie's an easy target, to be sure, but anyone who's fucking with ESPN's money, in any, any, any sort of indication that, um, that you know, billionaires might not get the, the money that they thought they were going to get will get attacked and is getting attacked on on uh, places like ESPN and people like Kendrick Perkins talk about an, a not ideal uh, messenger like he on the other side is um, sort of a, a again building a name for himself I would say as a notorious person who will say whatever you know kind of like a Skip Bayless like is following that 
that um, career trajectory for punditry, which is, say, a um, outlandish thing and, you know, often with zero, like, sourcing or credibility, and you will get on a lot of TV shows. And or in this instance, I think it's more of, say, what um, ESPN and other powerful forces want to be said Mm -hmm. um, and as a player, as a former player, and that will be... Uh, lapped up by by the network, so I, I I would say that as well. That even even if there is an I you know even if it's Avery Bradley is the face of this or or another better messenger, mm-hmm. there will still be pushback for sure. But I think that there, uh, you know, I think that when someone like Avery Bradley is talking about these things, he's coming at it with real tangible demands that he would like to see. Uh, enacted, right? Mm-hmm, so he's mm-hmm. coming at this. One, he has a lot more at stake than Kyrie Irving. He's on arguably the best team in the NBA, and LeBron James is his teammate. So him coming out and saying this is sort of risky from the sports competitive side. Two, yeah. he is not a 200 millionaire. Right. <laughs> he's certainly a millionaire many times over, but he has a much, much smaller contract, and he's sort of towards the tail end of his career. But Mm -hmm. he's come forward, and instead of the bizarro, like, you need to actualize yourself as a centered being in the universe or whatever the fuck Kyrie Irving's saying, um, he has said that if they're going to do this, he needs to see things like improved hiring practices for black front office and head coaching candidates, he wants to see the NBA and owners in particular make donations to organizations that serve black communities, and he wants partnerships with black-owned businesses and arena vendors. So he's making very tangible mm-hmm. demands, right? And he's saying, like, this is our opportunity. If you guys want us to do this, this is a moment where we need to see that the NBA and the owners are going to do something <laughs> right. on behalf of... Uh, uh, on behalf of working for some of the ideals that are being manifested in the streets right now, right? <laughs> of equality, of of Black Lives Mattering, of empowering Black people beyond the NBA through these sorts of um, you know partnerships with Black businesses and things like that. Um, and so he's you know I, there's it's a lot easier, or sorry, a lot harder for ESPN. To come at a guy like Avery Bradley, who's saying these things, because then they're going to have to say, um, I don't think that anyone should have the right to say that uh, more black people should be hired in the NBA front offices. Right. Or, right. you know, ESPN doesn't want to come out and say that. They don't want to say, I think it's crazy that owners should have to donate their money to um, black organizations or black right. communities, right? Um, that's really hard to do. But if you're Kyrie Irving and you're just coming at this like the egocentric super millionaire that he is, then it's easy to mock and belittle and and deride. And it completely undercuts uh, the the extremely important messages that people like Avery Bradley are trying to get out there. Yeah. Do you also think um, that... Kyrie might have a bit of a James Dolan-y sense of, like, what plays well in the media and, like, a, a desire, no matter how many times he just gets ripped to shreds in the media, to think that, like, his next move is going to is gonna win them back. I- yeah, I mean, it, 
I don't know if it's disingenuous, but he seems genuinely baffled every time this happens. And it yeah, keeps so happening over and over and over. It's the same thing with James Dolan, though, right? Like, he, he I genuinely think he's, like, surprised whenever his, like, statements – like, I, I get the sense that every time, he, like, a Nets – or, sorry, a Knicks statement comes out, he's like, boom. that That is brilliant. You put that out there – this is going to win us the the media war here, and then it instantly gets um, ridiculed. Well, of course, because like I, we've talked about this before, Kyrie Irving is incapable of of serious self reflection, right? right? Like nothing is right. his fault. He thinks that it's just that people are out to get him. It has nothing to do with what he says or how he says it, right? So, mm-hmm. like you know the. We, when we were talking about it in the context of what happened last year in, in Boston, we're like, oh, he's saying all the right things. And then it was like, oh, yeah, but my grandpa died. So then all of a sudden it's not about him having learned from anything he did. It's his grandpa died, and that's the reason why all this stuff happened. Now it's just, yeah. oh, the media has a vendetta against him. They don't get it. They're talking about stupid stuff because that's what the media does. And I, Kyrie Irving, am obviously correct about however I, you know, whatever I'm engaged in at the moment and right. and need not look at myself as a potential problem here. Yes. But no, I think yeah. that they're completely I think they're just narcissistic assholes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is, you know, fine. Like I it's it's not <laughs> I mean no, it's it, it's I mean it's not necessarily fine, but it's totally understandable. Kyrie Irving, I mean any NBA player who's not a complete dickhead is a miracle. Like right. they're ba- they've basically been told that they're gods since they're, you know, since they've grown taller than everyone else around them and are super athletic and have been groomed to be in the NBA. And they've been told they have, you know, they're surrounded by sycophants who (laughs) will never be critical of them. Um, And, you know, it's very, very easy to uh, develop, I'm sure, insane levels of narcissism in in those circumstances. So, yeah, it's, it's... It's not at all surprising, but it is just troubling that our um, our superstar, who who you know, <laughs> Nets fans have tried to say, oh, you know, the Boston stuff was unfair. Boston is just an evil place. The weird stuff with LeBron and Cleveland, total fluke. And you know, we can forgive him for that. It's going to change now that he's in Cultureville, Brooklyn. <laughs> Uh, well, <laughs> Cultureville, Brooklyn is starting to look like a pretty nutso place, honestly. Yes. yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I don't know. Is there any anything more you'd like to say about what's going on? Are you are you a Perks guy? Are you... Uh... I, I hate Kendrick Perkins. I, I, I probably hate Kendrick Perkins as much as I dislike Kyrie, honestly. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't, like, I don't really, I don't respect um, (laughs) his approach to his new media career, but. Yeah, well, so the two things I wanted to, um, I also just think he's kind of an idiot. Um, The two things I wanted to, um, uh, and I'm sorry if I'm jumping the gun here, let me know and we can, we can re, uh, we can put this back in the pile here, but. Um, the two things that are related to this that I kind of want to talk about was one Kyrie's thing about starting a new league. Sure. Um, and then the other is related to Kendrick, uh, 
the team, the the Nets teammates going to bat for for Kyrie. Okay, what about uh, as a third thing, which we've sort of already touched on, which is um, him quitting the group chat. Yes, right. That's that's in the. Um, no, yeah. hit it, hit it. All those, uh, all those are great. Okay, so um, one of the things that has come out uh, uh, with regard to Kyrie pushing players to boycott um, the bubble. Um, is that he apparently suggested that um, in a Nets group chat um, that players could start their own league. Now, this was initially reported in a tweet, I think, from Stefan Bondi that just said, sort of put those two things in the in context. Like, one, it's a bubble, and... Um, you know, one, like, instead of, it sort of made it seem like he was saying, hey, instead of the bubble, let's start our own league. But then it kind of got, um, there was like, uh, Ryan Russillo tweeted something that said like, oh, he's talked about this before. And then Stefan Bondi came back and said, this was not necessarily in the context of like, should we, instead of going to the bubble on July 30th, should we just form a league by July 30th? That is a totally different league. Um, so I think that was, I hate to give Kyrie too much credit here, but I think that was kind of misleadingly reported that I doesn't sound to me like Kyrie was saying, why would we go to the bubble when we could just form our own league on, right. on July 30th? It sounds like more like he was saying, yeah, you know, there's all these problems with going to the bubble and, you know, it'd be great if we could just form our own league, you know, at some point. Right. Which to me in and of itself is, you know, I think a, a very valid, um, desire you and I, uh, you know, as, um, you know, uh, worker cooperative, um, pro worker cooperative, um, uh, organization folks would be in favor of that, right? Wouldn't it be great if workers didn't have to settle for 50% of revenues, but 100% of revenues that is obviously, you know, and, and you wouldn't have to play for the benefit of almost entirely white billionaires. Um, uh, you know, especially in the context of putting your life at risk, um, in this bubble, um, in Florida that is quickly becoming the, um, epicenter of the COVID crisis in the U S. So, um, that seems totally reasonable to, to me to at least like, you know, to, as an idea for sure. Um, and I am, again, maybe I'm giving Kyrie too much credit. I don't get the sense that he was like, let's do this in a month. But, um, the interesting thing, but so, so that, that's my take on that. And then as you were saying, the, the bigger ripple effect, the, the bigger nets centric thing around this is that that got reported, right? That he said this in this group chat, then, um, there was another reporter whose name I forget who net income describes as close with Kyrie, who said that Kyrie left the group chat after that. And right. that is so scary to me because it indicates to me that Kyrie now doesn't trust anyone. He, there's a mole somewhere. Who's the mole? Um, 
is he going to demand that anyone he thinks is the mole gets traded or doesn't get signed or whatever? Is this going to further impact a locker room that sounds like it's growing increasingly fracturous anyway? Like, it just seems like it is not going to be good for chemistry. It could be have long-term ramifications for this whole thing. I don't know what you think. Um, yeah, I think that it's... You know, Kyrie, it's it's always been not a matter of if, but when. <laughs> uh, for me, when things go totally sour with Kyrie and his relationship with all of his teammates. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't sound like that's happened yet. No. Uh, it, and, and Wilson Chandler coming out in defense of him and Kevin Durant, you know, they're still they're still close. And I think that we still have a little time. We can we can. I wouldn't say confidently assume, but relatively, you know, I think there's above a 50% chance that by the beginning of next season, he still won't be totally on the outs with everyone on the team. <laughs> but, but call me a crazy optimist. <laughs> right. <laughs> this is one of the, the, the most glass half full moments of my life, Simon. <laughs> um, but I think that, uh, yes, it's very. It does not bode well, because I'm sure he has some ideas of who it is who leaked that. Yes. Right? Uh, and and that person, I would imagine, will not be on our team next year. <laughs> <laughs> Just guessing. Yeah, but I who, who do you think it is, William? Well, I would say, I mean, I could see a few candidates. Like, Jared Allen, to me, is a candidate, but he also is too, in my mind, timid and, and, uh, fearful. I agree. Timorous. Uh, yeah, he, he also has been posting pictures of a, a keyboard that he, he moldered together, uh, recently for a computer. Oh, nice. Um, nice. So, he might be too busy to kind of. Yeah, I think he's just in his source. own goddamn world. I think he's very, <laughs> very, very unhappy, as anyone in his position probably <laughs> would be, when uh, you have no path to uh, developing as a player because you have to have uh, DeAndre Jordan uh, play, play all your minutes. Speaking of DeAndre Jordan, mm. no news about him. No, he's like he's like uh, the Karis Levert of uh, the new the new Car- like there was ne- there were for years you'd never hear a peep about Karis Levert other than <laughs> that he was a nice guy right now and he there's hard, now, right and the, now there's just speculation there's too much speculation about about whether or not he's going to be the third star whether he's going to be good ever et cetera et cetera for him to be totally a ghost like he once was but DeAndre Jordan. Pretty high high profile player on this team. You would expect to have heard something about him. Nothing is coming up. None of these stories. He's not coming out in support of the two guys that have gotten him on this team. He's not saying anything. Yeah, I mean, as far as we know, I mean, I am not plugged into his social medias, but but I at the very least agree that it, yeah, he is not. I mean, like Karis Levert posted like some hats or something on Instagram, right. some, which like, I liar guess mean, hats. Yeah, yeah, right, liar hats, exactly. Um, <laughs> to use a term that the kids are using, no uh, doubt. Uh, liar um, hats, the blue liar hats. hats. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Um, yeah, I had no idea until that was explained to me in a in this Nets Daily story. Right, exactly. So like, it doesn't take much. Like, that's not exactly a big a big speech in favor of Kyrie. But you post some liar hats, you're kind of covered. Right. Um, but he hasn't done that, um, as far as we know. No, there's no, no I, there's no mention of whether he's excited to play. If he's been, you know, like we're in any story, will get some play. If he like starts working on his three pointer or does anything, right. you know, someone will talk about it. And uh, it's been absolutely quiet on this guy's. It's true. Can can I tell you, William, who I think who is my guess for who the mole is? Uh, yes, please. Um, I think that it's Spencer Dinwiddie. Now, I think that... (laughs) I love that theory. (laughs) Because I think Spencer doesn't really have it out for Kyrie. I I don't think he even did it maliciously. And I do think Spencer is, is pretty smart. But here's why I think, despite it not being a malicious act and him not being an idiot, why I think he still did it. Because I think... Because he's a malicious idiot. (laughs) No, because, because I think his desire to be listened to and, and to be to be talked about or whatever extends even to the realm of being an anonymous source. Cause uh-huh. I think he would like that. Any, and you know, any, any good reporter is not just sitting by his phone waiting for somebody to, to call him. Right. They're like cajoling their sources and saying like, Oh, what are you hearing? Hey, great. You know, what do you, you know, I'm interested in what you're um, thinking about Spence. Like that's, that's, that's what I'm here to talk to you about. Cause I know you're plugged in. I know whatever you have to say is really interesting to me and something like that from a player who, who has constantly had an inferiority complex is like too irresistible, I think. And so Spencer's desire to, to keep being a source for somebody and, and, and whatever, um, kind of blinds him. This is all theory, of course, total Mm -hmm. speculation blinds him to the ramifications of saying that in a story, having that out there in a story and, um, you know, potentially causing uh, turmoil. I just think he has this desire to be to be listened to. Oh, yeah, clearly. Uh, well, unless you want to keep going on Kyrie, this might be a great time to transition to the very, very long profile on Spencer Dinwiddie. Sure, sure. So where did you come across this profile, Simon? You sent it to me. Uh, it was tweeted out by uh, Net- Nets Daily. And it's like a CBS Sports... Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's it's lengthy. <laughs> yeah. It's substantial for sure. Um, can I bring up a, a few things I found interesting from the Spencer profile? Totally. And by the way, I'm 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 I completely agree with your analysis of who the mole is. Oh, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> Even though I'm just feeding your your own desires here, I'm. Uh, so one thing I'd forgotten, funny tidbit I'd forgotten. This is a quote from the article. Nets wing Joe Harris said Dinwiddie drove me nuts at first. He had na- <laughs> <laughs> he had an answer for everything to the point that his teammates nicknamed nicknamed him Siri. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that? Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd forgotten that he had that nickname. <laughs> really good. 
Um, okay, another thing. Another th- oh here can I give you a, the part of the uh, the profile that I thought was classic Spencer? Yes, please. Okay. Dinwiddie seamlessly mixes radical confidence in his abilities with a healthy cynicism about any player's capacity to dictate how others see him. There's been other guys that are probably as talented as me that have ended up in China, he said, mere minutes after saying he doesn't believe anyone can guard him one-on-one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that, to me, is Spencer in a nutshell. Uh, An admission that he could be in China and simultaneously that literally nobody in the entire NBA can guard him. (laughs) (laughs) It's that perfect combination (laughs) of self-awareness and realism with complete megalomania and (laughs) delusions of grandeur. Yeah. one more weird fact, and then I want to get into sort of the, the I'd say, the, the meatiest thing that might be worth talking about. Okay, so one more fun, fun little fact. And this one took a minute for me to sink in. Uh, but when it did, Simon, it hit. And it <laughs> hit hard. Mm-hmm. Olin Simplis, Dinwiddie's skills trainer, has been working with him since he was 11 years old. Spencer Uh Dinwiddie has had a personal skills trainer since he was 11 who is still working with him to this day. Isn't that insane? Uh, yeah, it, it, it it is. But I, I mean, I, what, I mean, what to you is insane? Oh, that one, that, um, there are skills trainers for 11 year olds. Oh, okay. That's, Uh that's pretty out there. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I'm sure that's, that's because he probably, I think he comes from a pretty affluent background. I know Mm. many, many of the people in the NBA probably did not have skills trainers from that age. Um, but then that relate, you know, that relationship was like, he was a good enough skills trainer that he's still doing it for a professional NBA player. Now is wild to me. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was it. Yeah, I mean, did you know an eleven-year-old with a skills trainer? Well, n- and, no. And but... and if you were, if if you could have had a <laughs> skills trainer at eleven, what would the skill that you would have been honing have been? Guitar. <laughs> you did have that. You just didn't practice. <laughs> didn't have a good skills trainer. No, that's not true. Stan Hirsch is a great guitar teacher. It's entirely my fault. It's it 100% my fault. Okay, so what other skill do you think you would have actually developed? Um, I don't know that I had any skills, really. <laughs> you, uh, you, uh, you did some emceeing. Yeah, yeah, it could have some been. Some rhyming. Rhyming Simon. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm so mono-skilled. And I, I say that not not being falsely modest here, I, you know, but but basically writing is like what I'm good at. And it's I struggle to think what exactly else I'm good at that I could have nurtured into being better at. Right. Um, yeah, I'll have to get back to you on that. Okay. I, I, I'm, I'm maybe like better at karaoke. 
because like I'm okay at karaoke, but maybe if right. I had, if, if I had, had, if you had 24 more years of karaoke under your belts, exactly. with like conscious skills training to it, it you would it, be amazing now. Yeah, I would be right. I would be. I could be like somebody where like people are kind of annoyed that they went up to karaoke because it's like, oh, you just did that to show off. Right. Um, so that could be a dream, but uh, but that dream is gone now. Uh, because I didn't have a skills coach at 11. Right. I mean, he's what, 28 now? So 27. 27, yeah. 16 years with one skills trainer. That's remarkable to me. Yeah. Um, all right. So the thing that I think is sort of the meat of this, this article is the question surrounding whether he can be a complimentary piece to Kyrie and KD. Yes. So yes. lots of shade thrown at his bad shooting percentage, which of course he defends by saying, "Oh, I had to take really horrible, uh, you know, hard shots at <laughs> yeah. the end of the buzzer." Yeah. It's like, yeah. yes, because you fucking dribble the air out of the ball. Don't run an <laughs> offense other than you holding the ball, and then are forced to chuck a shot, which you're not good at shooting at the end of the shot clock. Like that's not that great of a defense in my in my mind. And his catch and shoot was thirty seven percent, which is okay but that's by no means like an elite level uh you know complimentary off ball player no so i wanted to to get into this by the stan van gundy quote that came towards the end of Mm -hmm, the article mm -hmm. and he says i think it's pretty clear at this point and this is, and I should preface this before before saying it. Stan Van Gundy is complimentary of him. He was his coach in Detroit, and he he's not sure whether or not you know he totally it's all his fault that he wasn't good, or whether the experience of not being uh, you know being cut helped him get better or whatever. Uh-huh. But he's not like dismissive of him or shitting on him in this at all. He concedes that he's uh, quite a good player. But this is what he says about him. Put, potentially playing off ball. I think it's pretty clear at this point, his strengths are with the ball in his hands. Van Gundy said, it's not him running off screens. It's not him as a spot up shooter. It's not him as a second or third option, which brings us to the main issue here. Simon is Spencer Dinwiddie well suited to play alongside these two superstars who will need the ball in their hands quite a lot more and frankly very much uh deserve the ball in their hands more than spencer right uh or is that not really a role spencer is fit to play yeah so i i'm of a couple different minds of this first of all let me just be clear as i've said on numerous podcasts and i know you have as well Totally great with trading Spencer Dinwiddie. Mm -hmm. Um, Totally fine with that. He is by no means untouchable. But I do think that there, there one as as talked about in the in the article, the very limited um, sample size of him playing next to Kyrie is favorable. Um, They they have a, a a good offensive rating together. Now you add a Kevin Durant who's going to be hopefully e- going to eat up even more of the shots than Kyrie and that gets thrown into, you know, hard to tell mm-hmm. territory. But it's not a damning um it, it's not an indictment so far what he's been able to do with Kyrie Irving. The the other thing that I would say in favor of keeping Spencer Dinwiddie is that 
he could still you could see him still being the guy with the ball in his hands a lot on a second unit and when Kyrie is inevitably hurt. Right. Um, so he could the be guy our Lou Williams. Kevin Durant. Exactly. Yeah. But I again, I think there's so much it, it, that would be one thing if we had a team where it was like, man, we've got amazing defenders. We've got great um, toughness. We've got great rebounders. We've got everything. And, you know, we've got a guy who could fill in for Kyrie when he's out for a third of the year, if not more. But we don't have those other things. So, you know, it becomes a, like, is there a way we could get those things and get Spencer off the team? Because um, I'm listening. Right, right, right. Yeah, no, I think that he is uh, obviously uh, might maybe our most attractive uh, trade piece. And mm-hmm. um, I think that I agree. We're, we are obviously going to need someone to back up Kyrie when he gets hurt and or retires and or forms a, <laughs> a um, secession league. But right. um, I'm not. I'm yeah, I'm not sure. I think we could if he's just, you know, if he's just the six man like instant offense off the bench. I don't know that that's the best use of that much money every year. Mm. Um all right. Anything else you want to say about Spencer? Uh no. The one last thing I would say is like reading that made me really want Drew Holiday. Um Oh yeah. Because anything you can say about spent like it, it does just yes like if you're going to have somebody who's good with the ball in their hands who is like a decent but not amazing um, spot up shooter like why not get somebody who's also really good at defense and a way better passer that was the other thing that they talked about in that sorry just really quickly is that Spencer is like oh I could just be the the pass first point guard which is a great line if you want to stay on a team with. Kyrie and KD, totally fair, but he's never been a prolific passer or a particularly skilled passer. Um, I think I think the most you could say is he was good at getting assist to turnover um, ratio. Right, which is but he's, is different than being an elite passer, like with court, yes. elite court vision. Right. Um, all right. New segment, Simon. And it can have one of two names. I've got two names for it. Headline of the week? Question mark? <laughs> uh-huh. mm-hmm. That's a big question mark. Or headline of the week, W-E-A-K. Ooh, yowza. So this is, this is what I would call a snoozer headline. Okay, and I okay. want to explain why. But let me give you the headline first. Headline reads, no colon in this one, unfortunately. <laughs> or sources. Uh, all right. Headline reads: Jacques Vaughn on race return to play and Kyrie Irving. That's the headline. Mm-hmm. And I just want to say, I am finding it extremely difficult <laughs> to care about Jacques Vaughn. Yeah, me too. And I, know. I, I, we, Simon, are people who have read, I don't know, maybe 64 articles about Andrew Nicholson and Nick Stauskas <laughs> and <laughs> other extremely short-lived, um, but at one point meaningful to us, Nets. 
Like I've yep. always been on board for the for the guy, uh, you know, uh, James Webb the third. Right. Sure. Get me Legend. a little a little James Webb the third. But I just can't find myself getting at all interested in Jock Vaughn. I totally agree. It, it's 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 the uh, I'm not a wrestling fan, nor are you, William. But I I know enough to know that for years they had to really push John Cena as like a good guy, mm-hmm. and fans just didn't want it. I feel like a similar thing is going on now, where it's like Jacques Vaughn. Remember, he could really be the coach. He is the coach. Here he goes. He's saying stuff. He's the head coach, right? And it, it's just like, no, this is this sucks. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not fair to Jacques Vaughn. Although no. although I will say in a recent article in which he was mentioned, his I didn't realize how long he was the coach of the Magic and just how bad that record was as the mm-hmm. head coach of the Magic. Mm-hmm. So he did have quite a significant sample size for for I and you know they weren't the most talented team in the league, but you are in the East, you know. Yep, he's not a good head coach, <laughs> but he's our head coach, and God damn it, I'll read every piece of crap that's written about him. <laughs> yeah, and it's just if he's the head coach next year, fine, I'm all in. I'll read everything about it, you know. Like I, I will. I'll get on board. Yeah. But it just until until he's officially named coach, it does it just doesn't seem like realistically he is going to be around long term, and you know it didn't seem like James Webb was either. But there was still something intriguing about that, you know, a like st- a stretch four William is a possible even a guy. And I mean, we had to watch him brick every three he took before we were willing to give up on a potential stretch for that is so much more exciting. As you said, than than Jacques Vaughn proven track record of low mediocrity. Jacques Vaughn. And be you and boom. All right. Well, Simon, if it's all right with you, I feel like we've er earned a trip down south. Yes, let's do it. All right, listeners, this is the part of the podcast where Simon and I take an imaginative journey to the (laughs) magical kingdom. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, As any and all Nets fans will be aware, the Nets are in the second-tier hotel mm-hmm. in the bubble. So last week, Sham Sharania released the three hotels that the NBA teams would be staying in. The best teams were in, I imagine, the best hotel. Yep. We are in the second-best hotel, the Grand Floridian. Yes. And then there are teams somehow even worse than us who are in a worse hotel. Yeah. Your Phoenix Suns, your Washington Wizards, and the like. Your Kings. Um, so what we thought we would do is try to step into the shoes of some of the Nets players and what they'll be living, the lives they'll be living over the next, uh, you know, however long they're cooped up in the bubble. Mm-hmm. Uh, by taking a trip to the Hotel Cafe 
at the Grand Floridian, where they where they will all be staying. Simon, let's say it's dinner the first night of the bubble, right? And we're Can, yep. Oh, sorry. I'm just I'm looking at a bunch of things that is, is oh it's the Grand Floridian Cafe. Is that what we're doing? We're doing the Grand Floridian Cafe okay, for okay, I'm uh, their dinner menu. Okay. Um, so we're going to go to the Grand Floridian Cafe, and because we're two of very few reporters who are willing to go into the bubble for the entire time, the NBA has given us a huge per diem. So we have enough to treat a couple of the NBA guys. Um, who are we bringing along with us, Simon? Oh, I'm gonna bring Jacques Vaughn to see if he can, if he can convince me that he's worth caring about at all. All right, and I'm gonna bring Adam Harrington, my dark Ooh, horse candidate nice. for the coaching job. We're gonna talk X's and O's at this dinner. Um, all right, Simon, let's head for. Wait, to, I'm having. Sorry, I'm yeah. having trouble finding the the menu here. Okay, you Does, want you want me to send it to you? Yeah, I don't. I'm I'm sorry. I uh, I don't understand why I can't just. <sighs> so irritating. Um, it's at DisneyWorld.Disney.Go.Com, Simon. Oh. Uh, let's see. Is there a way to share and Skype? This is definitely going to system overload me if. Uh, we're not. If we're not. Well, if you, if, do you have a link? Because I have. A, I do have a link, but it's on my desktop. Yeah. Well, if you email it to me, I'm I'm on my desktop. Yeah, I know, but the problem is that going into tabs when I have this running, uh, um, often. Oh, view menu. All right, I see it. I'm. We're okay. Okay, thank Sorry goodness. Sorry for that delay. Absolutely no problem. I'm sure it was compelling audio for our listeners. <laughs> um, and for you listeners out there, why don't you send in your favorite menu? Yeah. To maybe the next time. Menu? No one sent menu yet. Well. Sorry. IRL Jay Z did. Oh, of course. I'm and so Tom, sorry. IRL and Tom Dre Blatches also did. Oh, you're right. God, so, I'm sorry. I've I've become. Uh, I'm I'm just a prickly pear you are a prickly pear simon should we get should we start our meal off with both a non-alcoholic beverage and a specialty cocktail yes double fisted all right get you let's go for a non-alcoholic beverage first okay and then we'll hit we'll hit the specialty cocktails of which they have this this menu though not robust by any means does have a few more than the Saluli, or wherever the hell we were last week, the Avatar-themed uh, Pandoran restaurant. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are a few more options uh, at this place. And this is one of the rare places in the Magical Kingdom that serves spirits as well as beer and wine. But let's start with a non-alco beverage, Simon. Okay. I will get the Raspberry Colada. Okay. It's a smooth, rich blend of a creamy colada and pureed raspberries. Mm. Yeah, not bad, right? Very nice. Um, I'm going to get the specialty character drink uh, with Minute Maid Zero Sugar Lemonade. What? 
Why is that what you get? Well, whatever. I've already made my decision. Served in a souvenir character cup with a glowing character clip-on light. Specialty um, character drink. Minute made zero sugar lemonade. Why what? is that what they make? The It's clearly meant for a child. So the why whole is thing it just is zero just a sugar cup. drink? It's just a cup. It's a souvenir cup. Why don't you get to choose what goes into the cup? No kidding. Well, this is off to a bad start for me. Yeah, that's gone off the rails quick. All right, let's get a cocktail because honestly, I don't, I don't want whatever I just ordered—the raspberry colada or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, what are you gonna get? What specialty cocktail? I am. You know what? I haven't had a Bailey's and coffee in a <laughs> long time, and I mean long. Um, I, which is Bailey's Irish cream mixed with hot. Joffrey's coffee TM. <laughs> a lot of TMs in here. Have you ever had a hot Joffrey? <laughs> you don't forget a hot Joffrey. You don't for you, you don't walk away and forget a Joffrey. No, I, I don't think I have. All right. I, Simon, am gonna have a good Godiva chocolate martini. <laughs> uh why why so? Well, Simon. Not only does it have Godiva chocolate liqueur, you knew that. Mm-hmm. Not only does it have a Stoli vanilla vodka, you knew that. It also <laughs> has white creme de cacao and Frangelico. <laughs> William, if you don't mind me saying, that sounds <laughs> yuck. Oh, my, horrible. <laughs> I hate chocolate. <laughs> Particularly liquid chocolate. Who wants to drink liquid chocolate? Yeah. What's your favorite type of of novelty martini? Great cue. Um, I have just recently started to even like a regular martini. Um, but well, a, I, a regular martini is totally different than the you know, no. right? Than like the apple teeny or the right. strawberry teeny or whatever. I would say, I would say strawberry teeny. Okay, yeah. I mean, those are like those are those are drinks that are enjoyed by anyone who just wants to become like type D diabetic in a single sip of a cocktail. Right. Um so yeah, they're just sweet sweet drinks. They have no no real relation to martini other than they they come in that glass that looks like a martini glass. Right. Uh but strawberry, that's a good one. I think I feel like I've, I I haven't really tried many of like i don't think i've probably ever even had an apple teeny okay I, I buy that uh but i do feel like it's a drink i'd like to order out sometime mm. frankly i would like to order anything anywhere right now it uh, no is not my apartment especially in the magic kingdom yeah sure magic kingdom would be great all right let's move on simon to the apps now we have four options here, which is one option greater than the number of options we had in the entire menu last time we did this. <laughs> yeah. That's true. What are you getting? Uh, for me, there's no there, there's no competition here. It's got to be the chilled jumbo shrimp cocktail. God Wait. damn it. I'm sorry, William. Um, feel free to get the Caesar. Um <laughs> Citrus avocado salad, yum, 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 and red rooster cocktail sauce. Now, that's that just sounds so good. Do you think that's red rooster as in the, like chain the restaurant, restaurant in Harlem? 
Oh, maybe. But I, th- I, I think you're right. There is like another red rooster. Or is it red robin? Thing. Well, there's red robin, but I feel like someone else was. T- it doesn't matter. Anyway, I'm getting that. Yeah, no, the citrus avocado salad legit sounds good. Oh yes. Um, I am left with some dog choices here. <laughs> uh, I will never ever order an app heirloom apple salad. No. Apples and salad is an appalling thing. And I love apples. Salads are fine, good. You know, sometimes pretty good. But that it's just disgusting. Yep. It's like putting raisins, uh, you know, in a, a meat dish or something like that. Yeah, or in salad for that matter. It's just disgusting. Yeah. So, or in salad. Great point. Um, <laughs> that leaves me with two options, Simon. A Caesar or a grilled romaine market salad. And, uh, you know, it doesn't get more more sleepy than that. Luckily, I've got a chocolate teeny to get me through this appetizer. Yeah, exactly. You were wild. I'm going to one-up. I'm going to order a second chocolate teeny alongside my grilled romaine market salad. Grilled romaine, in-season vegetables with lemon, coriander, vinaigrette. Coriander, Simon, a word you love, right? Coriander. (laughs) Yes, I love coriander. Um, and it's a fancy word for, um, wh- yeah, cilantro, right? We, yes. Cilantro. We talked about this, Yeah, right? we did. We did. Uh, okay. Entree time. Yeah. Hit me. You go first. Okay. Thanks. I needed this. I am getting, and this, <laughs> this I've got to have the lobster Thermidor mm-hmm. burger, artisanal seven ounce burger patty and lobster Parmesan Thermidor sauce on a seared brioche bun served with cafe signature seasoned French fries. Few things about this Thermidor sauce. Is that something I should know and am just not aware <laughs> of? It's capitalized. It's capitalized, and it's. It, I'll do you one better. It's in quotes in the top part, not in the second part. <laughs> yeah, you're right. So I think it's. It could be. It maybe it's like a ride or something like that. No, yeah, it's a thing. Maybe it's there's a thing. no TM after it, which I find surprising. It's a reaction of moderates following a revolution. Okay, that can't possibly that cannot, be. Cannot. <laughs> no. It's a French dish consisting of a creamy mixture of cooked lobster meat, egg yolks, and brandy, often cognac. Ooh, Simon, watch out. Stuffed into a lobster shell. I wonder how... Yeah. I wonder how um, authentic the the Floridian's Thermidor is. Right. I have a pretty high standard for the type of Thermidor I I approve of, honestly. Um, And it's served on a a seared brioche bun, Simon. What, for you, is the ideal burger bun? Potato. Thank you for asking. We got some Martin's potatoes because tonight, Simon, and I I honestly don't care who knows it, I'm having a fucking turkey burger. (laughs) You won't be denied. America, William thinks turkey is the best burger. Discuss. Um, there's also that place, Iron, uh, what, just south of Barclays that we started right. going to, the Iron, uh, yeah, Iron, um, something Black Iron, iron Flat burger. Iron, Black Iron Burger. No, Black Iron, yes. Yeah, Black Iron Burger. And I ordered the salad once, and I ordered it with salmon. 
And it's just their salmon burger patty on top of a salad. That sounds not good. No, 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 not not it. It was both not good and totally not at all what I expected. It right, right. You could be forgiven thinking that it was not going to be a processed salmon patty <laughs> on your salad there. Um, Simon, how are you? What do you, what are you feeling on on entrees tonight? <sighs> I'm going to go all out here at the Floridian um, and get the New York strip steak. With cheesy potato gratin, roasted uh, capellini onions, broccolini, and house-made steak sauce. I mean, that to me is, uh, I mean, there's almost no way that's bad. I mean, it's bad that you're paying $34 for it, but but it's great otherwise. Like, I I just don't see how that that ends up being fucked up. Yeah, I mean... It's hard to fuck up a cr- cheesy potato gratin. Yeah. The onions are going to be fine. The house-made steak sauce is a red flag for me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if that thing just had a TM after it, at least you'd know it gone through, like, the... the um, Testing required of a massive corporation, you know. Right, the, right. It, it has the the imprimatur of like fifty people trapped in an office tasting sauces all day. Right. But uh, the house made, it could you, be anything. Honestly, you know, William, that Disney's one of the largest corporations on earth. So yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> in terms of if if corporate uh, stamp is what you want, you're right. Um, you're right. So you're telling me I should feel like I'm in good hands with the uh, Grand Floridian house-made steak sauce? I think I think it will be very, very sweet and um, very nice. Uh, I'm going to look it up and see if I can't find a picture of it. Oh, great. Uh, give you a visual. Oh, my God. That looks so bad. That cannot oh, actually no. be it. It is the saddest plate of food I have ever seen. Oh, my God. You should look this up. Oh, my God. <laughs> that is, this is their brunch. This is their brunch. Can you see it? Yeah. That that, that's a bad sad. shot. That's a bad shot. Come on. Give us something. That's me. Steak sauce. This can't be interesting for people listening. No, I mean, they can't see what you're showing. No, but look it up. This is amazing stuff, people. Okay, the 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 picture of your meal looks a little bit better, I will say. Oh, it's a me? ton of broccolini. That could be, you could argue that's too much broccolini. Wow. That's that a, looks that's great. That's a New York strip uh, lounging atop a bed of broccolini. That looks that looks amazing to me, William. I, I, I you you may have uh, your your nose up in the air from the um, from the African slash pirate based oh, restaurant uh, we went to. With no the, dinosaur. Uh, no dinosaur was your was your Americana classic. The first one we went to was the one with the like. The like uh, jasmine rice pudding. And, oh right, and, and the uh, pineapple basil dish. Yeah, just for yes. all the picky eaters out there. 
Yes, exactly, exactly. Um, so maybe you're you're um, still stuck in that mode, my friend. But that that to me looks like good old American eating. All right. Uh, no, it sounds good. Sounds sounds really good to me. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, let's get us some let's get us some dessert and then get the hell out of here. Yeah. Um, you want me to go first? Yeah. I okay, do. well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pick something that I don't think there's any danger in you wanting, okay. although, you know. I mean, at this me point, before. at this point, I don't think it has anything to do with want. But go on. <laughs> Florida key lime pie. Uh, we are, of course, in Florida after all. Um, baked in a graham cracker, uh, tur- uh, tart shell. Do you think that is meant to say tart? I I think Maybe does, does that just mean tart. it's small? I just can't read. It does say tart. Okay. What do you well, think it's? Uh, I'm it's thinking at? of. I was thinking of. Yes, I was just thinking of, like, uh, tart as in like it's an adjective. Taste. Yeah, yeah. I'm just being an idiot. Okay. Anyway, that that one is not on Disney. Um, I'm afraid that's my own idiocy. Okay. Served <laughs> with fresh strawberries, mmm, and sweet mandarin sorbet. That. Sounds great, Simon. Um, I like anything with a little sorbet on it. Oh yeah, I didn't even see that until the end when I that uh, that maybe that was going to be your pick, but no, no, that's fine. I I know you're a key lime a nut. Uh, I'm going to get Simon the Mickey Dome. Yeah, what do you think that is? I don't know. Really a cookies and it. cream mousse is its description. Uh, I love cookies and cream as a flavor of ice cream. I'm also, I found a picture of this, another picture of the steak with the sauce, Simon, and it is, it's haunting. This is an image you, you won't, <laughs> won't soon forget. Okay, you see let's that, see. You see that white sauce looking stuff oh, on top of it? Oh, is that it? Yeah. That is a weird steak sauce. Steak sauce is like tomato based. Yeah, I it also thought. has oddly a plastic knife sticking out of the top of it. Hmm. The Grand Floridian is kind of a weird place, it seems like. Yeah, it's definitely the second tier Disney hotel. <laughs> uh, are you a cookies and cream guy? Me? Yeah. <laughs> I love cookies and cream, yeah. Is it your favorite kind of ice cream? Oh, no, no, not by a long shot. Um, my favorite is mint chocolate chip. Then coffee or or mocha. Those are kind of pretty similar um and then you might start to see the cookies and cream or oh boy let's take a look that's my moose dome oh that looks oh that's awesome that's awesome (laughs) it's like an oreo with a little moose dome half half sphere on top of it and then two other oreos sticking out his ears Right. That's great. That's yeah, a great pick. That looks good. Wow. Okay. Well, there we did it. Um, do you think the Nets will be, to, just to bring it back to the Nets for a minute, Simon, do you think they're going to be pleased spending 45 straight days in the bubble before they're <laughs> eliminated in a sweep in the first round of the playoffs? <laughs> um. I think that, as as I think I said before, the Nets are a prime target for a team to underperform. Yeah, um, I think so too. And did you? But I'm I'm more wondering about quality of life right now. 
Oh, I th- yeah. I I think Jarrett's going to have a great time. Sure, Jarrett's going to have a good time. Do you think that uh did you read through Shams' list of like activities that they're going to be sponsoring? No. Uh lots of movie screenings. Oh. Okay, of like films like that aren't out yet. Yes, I know. It seems super like super spreader event, but right. But theoretically, there are you know less super spready than say playing basketball against each other. <laughs> um, That's true. <laughs> right. Good, good point. Uh, I think it's a lot of ping pong. They might bring mm. in some performers. They're going to have access to twenty four hour twenty four hour uh, VIP services, which unclear what that means. Right. Uh, a few other things, but that sounds, sounds, sounds nice. like it could be great for like a week or so. But I could, you know, I, I sympathize with the idea that people it, might get pretty bored pretty fast inside right. this thing. And it's also like if 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 you were going like purely by choice um, to to this, and you were like, oh great, there's entertainment or whatever, then it could be fun. But to me, the fact that you're trapped in this thing and they're bringing in entertainment kind of feels like a, like it's like you know, sort of like the island that movie, where they're kind of like trying to distract you from the pain of right <laughs> of the situation they put you in. And, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to find the complete list because. There were more fun. Okay. Hotel amenities, Simon. Players only lounge with NBA 2K TVs and gaming. Great. Pool and trails. So trails. Barbers, manicurists, pedicurists. Get a mani-pedi. 24-hour VIP concierge. Daily entertainment, which will include movie screenings, DJ sets, video games. That's getting said a lot. Ping pong, pool, <laughs> lawn games. And players can attend other games, which I think is the 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 coolest part of it all. I hope to see all the other players as the only people in the in the stands. Do Do you think any of them will go to Nets games? Uh, yeah, to see whoever they're playing. <laughs> Maybe against the Clippers or something. Right, right. If we play the clip, we play the Clippers twice. Yeah, I don't think anyone's going to be at like the the Nets Wizards game. Yeah, yeah. Or the two Nets Magic games. Although we still don't know the schedule, but likely we're going to have to play them a couple times. Right. Uh, all right. Well, not our longest podcast, but certainly not our shortest either, Simon. No. Would you do me the great good honor of letting people know how they could hit us up with some questions? Yes, please let me first again apologize for forgetting that two people had already sent us in um, menus. Thank you very much for doing that. Thank you for um, your questions, your thoughts, your comments. We'd love more of them at maybe next time at gmail.com or at uh, maybe next time on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. And please find us um, pretty much wherever you get podcasts and leave us those five star reviews, particularly on Apple Podcasts. Uh, where the people in the know leave the leave the reviews. Um, uh, yes, and with any questions, thoughts, comments, anything you want to tell us, um, other than e- extremely mean comments, which maybe if you're if you're uh, thinking exclusively nasty things <laughs> to say to us, uh, 
don't drop us a line. But right. anything short of that, even like constructive criticism, I would sure. I would love to hear that. Like tighten We're it up, perfect. tighten it up in right. the uh, as you as you show each other pictures on your screen. <laughs> Maybe don't. That sure, would be a sure. fine comment. At least you've right. engaged. I would be pretty surprised if someone has made it an hour and 15 minutes into this thing and they had a burning critique of us. Right, right. But, you know, the sickos are out there. Yes, they are. Uh, So, yeah, please, we are extremely thin-skinned. So, if it is constructive criticism, we will... (laughs) We can... (laughs) We'll accept it. But... We'd prefer you to direct your constructive criticism elsewhere. Right. Exactly. Maybe keep it to menus or a nice thing. A nice, just yet. If you don't have something nice to say, (laughs) maybe don't say anything at all. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. All right. Leave us alone. Okay, that's going (laughs) to do it this week, folks. We'll go ahead and... See ya next time. I was tired of my lady. We'd been together too long. Like a worn out recording of a favorite song. So while she lay there sleeping, I read the paper in bed. And in the personal columns, there was this letter I read.